Hey, everybody. Welcome to In-N-Out Burger Pomona Drag Strip as we are here for the second to last day of the 2023 NHRA Camping World Drag Racing Series season. It is another edition of the NHRA Insider Live. Tony Pedragon, Phil Burgess, the editorial director of National Dragster, joining us to kick off this show. And, fellas, who knew that it would come so fast the end of this season? <laughs> well, it moves quick. It's a fast-moving sport. And here we are again. As we would expect, Southern California, the sun is shining. It's going to be on the racetrack because of daylight savings. When it cools off, it's going to get real cool. So we're going to see a little bit of every element, especially when it comes time for eliminations. Phil, not to put an age tag on you here, but you have been to every finals ever held at Pomona. Every, every finals held at Pomona before that, uh, Orange County, Ontario. So, yeah, I've seen quite a few. It's, it's just great. To, it's kind of like the, end, the last chapter of a great book. You know, you can't wait to get to the end, but, you know, it takes a long time to get there and a, a lot of twists and turns. So... I'm thrilled. And every one of these finals does carry its own uh, storylines. It does carry its own implications. In your memory or in your experience, when we talk about Top Fuel and Funny Car, how often have we come in to this basically second to last day of the season with three competitors in each category on top of each other? Yeah, this is this is amazing. Just how close that everybody's been this last couple of races, trading the lead back and forth in Top Fuel. Funny Car, this is a dogfight between those three guys. It's, this is a, this is going to be an epic one. And Phil, when you look back at all of these these uh, since the countdown, let's start at 2007 when the countdown started. Right. We've seen a lot of pretty oh, epic uh, yeah. battles. You know, I I know go back to 2006 when I think when Ron Caps or no it was Gary Selzy that came out on top. But right. when you look back at all of those countdown championships and all the drivers and teams that have contended in Top Fuel and Funny Car, have you seen everyone that the talent of of teams and drivers? That, that we see this year? No, it's amazing. I was thinking about this last night. You look you look at guys like Perdome who dominated the 70s, Bernstein in the 80s, even Force in the 90s. I don't think that they have that top three, four level of competition. Yeah. I want to say arguably that the three championships these guys have put up might be more impressive than what Bernstein and, and Perdome did. You know, when we look especially at Top Fuel, one of the big kind of uh, underlying storylines yesterday was going to be if Leah Pruitt could qualify well enough, she would take what was then a 34-point deficit and move it down to right. about 29 or so. She failed to do that. She ended up going backwards by a handful of points, so she's still two rounds out. Right, and obviously, you know, uh, same thing with H Hagen wanted to keep Tasca behind him and uh, Steve wanted to keep uh, Doug behind him, and they both did that. doesn't look like that's going to be a factor. But we talked to, to Hagen last night and, and said, okay, looks like Tassas is not going to be able to get by you. He said, I'm more worried about Robert in third place. I could put him <laughs> two rounds down. So with a good day today, if Robert doesn't get points and, and, and Hagen gets points, because really you come down, it could come to the final round, right? You know, when, yeah. and I don't want to go against Robert Height in the final round in Pomona Dragstrip no. with everything on the line. So if Hagen has that extra round cushion, you know, I think he'd be comfortable with that. So Phil, Brian, and I talk about this on the show all the time. The sun is shining. It's going to be on the racetrack in the first qualifying session. It's going to change. That sun's going to get off the racetrack. Let's start with Top Fuel. Of the three, you have Steve Torrance, you have Doug Coletta, you have Leah Pruitt. Then you have Salinas and Justin. Do you see this temperature by the second round, by the semifinals? Do you see it favoring any of those three teams? I feel like Torrance has got the more versatile car. I mean, they always had the car that would go down in the heat. They had the best car. They never had a car for these conditions. But I think they do now. You know, they, they spent a whole year working on it, right? And now I think, you know, you saw last night what, what that car can do with the, with the right combination in it and the right track, right temperature. I would agree with that. 
You know, the underlying storyline, that to me, that's kind of a secondary thing that we saw over the first two qualifying sessions. Doug Coletta comes out. He's 36 on the tree in the first qualifying session. He's 51 on the tree in the second session. And while those numbers have no bearing on where his qualifying position, it says to me that the guy is absolutely 100% focused on what he has to do. Got to talk to Alan Johnson a little bit last night, and he basically said it's going to come down to our side of the fence in, in terms of getting him the car he needs to have. Alan, or AJ, has absolutely no qualms that he has the guy in the seat that could get the job done. Right, absolutely. I mean, you know, the car the car has been there on and off. Yeah. And like I said Doug is dialed in. Doug Doug wants us bad. I mean, obviously yeah. he's been runner up so many times. You know, who's going to forget ever forget 2006 here with the run? That look of uh, on his face, yeah. crestfallen look. And I th find it ironic that Alan Johnson was the guy that did that to him. Right. And now Alan Johnson is <laughs> the guy that can make it right for him this weekend. <laughs> Phil, in your opinion, and I asked Doug this, I said, and I joked with him, I said, Doug, uh, what, what is it like to be so liked by all these fans and, and be so respected by other drivers? In your opinion, what is it that makes Doug Coletta such a fan favorite this weekend? I think, he's, you know, he's kind of got that every man, every man yeah. kind of thing to him, even though, you know, he's a pilot and he's all, all these things. I, I think, you know, when you see him, he almost seems a little shy sometimes. And, you know, yeah. when you interview him, he doesn't have this polished John Force rap. And I think a lot of people can relate to him. And plus, he's been there. He's been there for so long. A consistently good car almost every single year, always always right there, and always keeps an even keel. He's, he's Mr. Cool as far as that going. I think fan, fans like that. He's a six-time runner-up. In uh, 2019, he, he run it up by three points. Uh, you know, he had a, the parachutes fell out of the car in the semifinals against Steve Torrance in Vegas. He ends up coming here to Pomona winning the race, but it was, it was not all for naught. He certainly right. won the Wally and added to his accolades, but came up three short. Pro Stock. This is shaping up to be kind of interesting in that Erica's qualified behind Greg right now. Greg ran a 649, only car to break into the 640s yesterday. So he's able to just chip away very small. She's a triple-digit lead. But there's Dallas Glenn, and they are playing the game out there. Dallas Glenn right now is qualified 16th. We were watching it with, uh, with a keen eye yesterday. He's going to have to really try to do a, a precision landing here today to try to find her in the first round, but clearly that's what he's aiming to do. Right. So you think Erica knows that and Erica doesn't try to go to number one? Why? Well, I'm sure they're going to try to, right? Well, actually, I, to your point, I get I get what you're saying now. Just stay to stay two. Stay two, and then he so you know, and obviously as tight as Prosock is to find that little that one two or three thousand is going to make him sixteen or fifteen. Tough deal, but he's done a good job so far. But right now he's drawing Greg in the first round, which is not what they wanted. So what is your take on that kind of strategy? It took Brian and I two runs from Dallas Glenn to figure out why is his car not running good? Right. And then and we talked about it before yeah. the race. Why is his car his car can perform almost as good as Greg's? It can run with Kyle Koretsky because they all have the same engine. Right. But it took us to that second session that we saw that this car is just five hundredths of a second off, and of course he could be short shifting. He could be doing something. They could be doing something with the setup. There's, but in your opinion, what what um, what is your take on that kind of strategy? Good, bad? I'm okay with that. You know, it's like yeah. you know he he can't win the championship. Might as well try to help his guy win the championship. And that's the only hope they got. You know, yes. if he gets Erica round two, that's no that doesn't help. Erica wins round one and it's over. So that's the only thing they got. What else are you gonna do? You know? In the event that they're able to succeed in this in this enterprise and, and open the and open the floodgates up for Doug, or rather for Greg, it would be one of the most incredible things probably I've ever seen. Yeah, that that would be definitely. It's like uh, we talked about Alan Johnson and, and the run. Yeah. If you remember that, he, you know he had to tune uh, Schumacher to the national record. He had like a a, a nine thousandths window because <laughs> he could have gone too fast, too fast to be about to run it. And it was like you know like dropping a, a golf ball off a fifty-story thing and dropping into it into a shot glass, and he did it. So, you know, can these guys do that? If they can, wow. 
you know, and, and, you know, but then Greg still got to perform on race day. Yeah. And just to clarify, because we've gotten a little bit of pushback, because I personally agree with you. I think it's a great strategy. Yes. They have nothing to lose. There is nothing in the rule book that says you cannot strategize. You that do, doesn't say you can't sandbag. Right. You can do whatever you want in qualifying. It does in the rule book say that you cannot intentionally throw a race. Right. So if you're going to do that, just do a good job. So Brian and I don't call you out. But I agree <laughs> right. with the strategy. I think it's great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, that, that's that strategy in qualifying. When it gets to race day, I can see where there's a, a either side yes. of the fence because it's actually fans come to see racing. But yes. I think every fan can get behind the strategy behind. I need to do this because I need. I'm the only person that could take her out, and you know, I, I get that. That makes sense to me, and I think everybody should be okay with that. Gage Herrera will be coronated this afternoon. It is uh, when qualifying is locked down after the fourth session. Some people asked us, well, why haven't you handed them the trophy yet? Until qualifying is officially locked down, you don't necessarily have your, your dedicated points. Right, right. The points don't go in your bank until qualifying yeah. is over. So right. that will happen this afternoon. Um, when we when we go back and look at the historical record, do we place him on that Dave Schultz 1994 season level? Boy, you got to look at it. I mean, it, it's, you know, what, what Schultz did for all those years and, and in, in specific years, and he, he, he was the, he was the ice man right you know and, and I, I look at gage now the kid that came in you know didn't have a lot of runs in pro soft yeah. motorcycle a lot of runs on no bar bikes and other things but he's looked like a true pro and i think for a first year first full season effort i can't remember a better one yeah, it's been, it's been nothing short of incredible, and, and we see this in all different types of sports. When you have a team that kind of gets on one of these runaway seasons, no matter what sport it's in, the personality of the team defines whether people root for that guy right. or root against him. And I've not heard really, other than the other pro-stock motorcycle racers, I've not heard a lot of people whining or crying about Gage's success. Yeah, absolutely. And he's done it, and he's, he's kind of you know changed the face of, of the bike class. Yeah. While a lot of people are trying to emulate his riding style now, the way that he moves forward on the bike when he launches. The guy's got like Hector Jr. and and, and Kelly Klons, people like that are trying to do that because they realize the benefits of that. And he's just remained incredibly humble throughout the whole thing. You know, he could have got a big head, but yes. you know, he's, he's, he was, he's excited to be here. Can't believe he's here. And I think we all love that part of that. There have been some rumors about potentially somebody else getting on Eddie's bike right. next season. Have you heard those same things? I I've have heard? heard those same rumors. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see. And, and my kind of the extrapolation I made was Eddie would still ride, but not on a full-time basis. And they may actually roll out a third different style of combination to test the waters there. Correct. Yeah. I mean, obviously Eddie wants that number 15. He yes. wants legit. He doesn't want Gage going right on him or yeah. something crazy like that. But, you know, if he wins the race, is it a mic drop? Is he leaving? Is he, is he retiring after he gets 50? Or is he going to come, like you said, next year, maybe run partial schedule or maybe full? What do you think? I mean, to me... I would guess, and listen, Eddie's been at it a good long time. I would guess he's one of those guys that would probably like to do a more partial schedule, maybe spend some more time at home. He obviously works every day for Vance and Hines in, in Indianapolis or in the Indian, Indianapolis area. So in my mind's eye, I can see him being the guy like, yeah, I'll do six, eight, nine races, something like that, and especially in that test ride mode. But I know in his heart of hearts, 50 is just the thing he's fixated right. on rightfully. It's interesting. I got some stats from Bob Fry about fastest <laughs> fastest to, to 50 wins. You know, Bob Glidden is first, Greg second. But if Eddie had won number 50 right after number 49, he'd have been the third quickest person to do it. So wow. it was a pretty meteoric ride, meteoric ride for him, especially a guy that won the championship without winning a race that one year. Yes. So, so yeah, so he, you know, he's had a really strong career. And I could see him you know, getting 50 and thinking, you know, what's, what's there left to do? I've been a champion. I got 50 wins. I'm good. One of my favorite things about the Gage story is the business model, is the decision. And this is something I mentioned to Brian. I'd love to see the sport continue that trend, go down that road where who are we going to select for this machine? Is it going to be the guy that brings the money 
Is it going to be the guy that brings the talent? I like the talent because you open the door, you give someone the opportunity, you have instant results yeah. when you yes. have talent opposed to, you know, financially they're going to take a year or two to learn. So there's natural talent, there's acquired talent. Almost anyone can learn it. But at what expense? When you have a team like Vance and Hines, and I look around the pits and I see a driver like Ron Caps, I look at myself and Cruz and so many drivers out here that have made a career out of this sport. Even John Force, you started at the bottom, you had talent, someone gave you the opportunity, and I just, I'm in love with that business model. Right. It makes you wonder how many guys out there, if they yes. had the better bike, you put a Chris Bosick on yeah. a Vance Hines bike, would he be a gauge for You just don't know. You know, you get the right equipment, the right, right talent, combine them together, and like I said, you can get instant results or you can get somebody to come in and finance it and struggle for a whole season or more. <laughs> we've seen it. Look, and, and to your point, Phil, look at what we've seen Kelly Klontz accomplish this Absolutely. season. Absolutely. Yeah. 670. She's now made multiple runs over 200 miles an hour, and she works with Vance and Hines. She's got the Gen 3 Hayabusa body on the motorcycle. They're working on the tune-up there, and her riding experience starts to shine through when she's on something that can go that quick and fast. Absolutely. You, you saw that start to turn around for her. Yes. And I think that was after Gage rode her bike and got some ideas and said, hey, this is how I do it. Try doing this. And we saw immediately she was number two qualifier. Angie Smith's here again this weekend. She obviously qualified in Vegas to maintain points to stay in the top 10 of Pro Stock Motorcycle. She made a more representative run yesterday. Basically rode at full throttle to half course and then shut the bike off. But what a story of toughness and tenacity there. Right, absolutely. You know, and, and have that mindset to come out that I want to protect my position. I'm going to do whatever it takes. You know, it's, it's the Smith family, right? You know, Tricky Ricky. You know, his mama didn't name that. He earned that nickname, and Matt inherited that. How surprised were you when she rolled up to the starting line? We thought we were going to be looking at a duplicate of Las Vegas, do a, a, a small burnout, roll the bike into pre-stage and stage, and she went wide open throttle, yeah. and she made a full run. Was that a surprise to no, you? No, we, we had talked to her beforehand. Okay. She said this, that she wanted to do it. And I think, you know, she's doing that, you know, not for herself, but for the fans. Maybe for herself a little bit. Get back on the horse that threw you. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like it. I think it, it, it's, it's great. And, you know, she obviously can do it safely and, you know, and protect her position in the top ten. That, that shows you how much these points mean, seven, eight, nine, ten versus, you know, something lower. It means a lot to these guys. I want to touch base on a couple categories outside the Camping World Series. First in Pro Modified, you know, Mike Castellano went in that championship. Pro Modified as a kid was the first class I really fell in love with. Uh, 1990, it, it turns into a professional class of drag racing. It becomes into the NHRA about 10 years after that. But, you know, for Mike Castellano to be standing there, coming in third to that race, really the kind of outside shot. And, and we're talking about racers here that are the outside shot. Yeah. It was it was a great moment for him. Manzo, the whole group. Yeah, yeah. I ran into Frank on Monday at, or uh, yeah, Monday at the airport, and he said when we saw that, it wasn't just like one door open. It was like both doors are open. <laughs> Come on inside. And, you know, Frank's got the talent, the experience uh, to put the power there, and, and Mike obviously did a great job. It's just you didn't see it with you know you didn't, who, who saw Chris Thorne wrecking, right? Yeah, you know? I mean, and and that wreck to me was is indicative of a guy who wants to win a championship yeah. very badly. If that car is doing that when we're in Chicago, he's shutting it off and yeah. coasting to the finish Absolutely. line. Absolutely, 100% agree. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Top Alcohol Funny Car and Dragster real quick. Doug Gordon is going out once again a world champion. His daughter is getting ready to assume the seat. I mean, there's not a more interesting family-based story in this sport than that one. Absolutely. They're, they're such a great family. I mean, obviously, Doug followed his dad in the seat, and now Maddie's going to follow Doug. And I, I got to feel like she's going to you – know, she might not pick up right where Doug left off, but I feel like she's going to have a strong season. This is a, gr a great team. And, you know, obviously, Julie, you know, another second-generation racer coming in, you know, showing us what she's got. You know, who knows what's in the future for her. But, but I see both bright futures for both of them. Julia Natas, top alcohol dragster world champion. I love the moment when she locked the championship up. She gets out of the car and just drops to her knees and weeps. I, I thought that was 
very real. We don't often see that level of emotion, and it was to me, it just said everything you needed to know. Absolutely, you know, that's just a you know she's she's gotten close before, and I think everybody thought Tony Stewart was going to be the runaway favorite. And, you know, they swapped lead back and forth, and then for her to come into Dallas to do what she did there, win the All Stars, yes. win the race, win the championship, it doesn't get much better than that. I have uh, somewhat mixed feelings about Tony Stewart winning a championship in his first year. Do you see that? Is if it happened, it could have been a good thing, or does that make some of the racers that have been there for so long? Does it make them look bad? Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm, I don't want to say I didn't want Tony to win the championship, but I think yeah. it makes it look maybe a little easier than it really is. I mean, alcohol <laughs> direction. Let's face it, that's a slugfest. It's yeah. not just really you know is. you got Cummings, you got you got Jackie Frick, you got it, it's tough out there. Um, and we had 24 for, of them here this weekend, yeah, by the way. Right, Quickest you know, bump spot of all time. I mean, so, so for anybody, you know, you know, Gage Herrera included, to come in and make it look kind of easy. I get it. You know, Tony Stewart winning the world championship would, would mean a huge amount of publicity for NHRA and for his team. So, so I was happy either way that went, but I, I get what you're saying. You know, you don't want to come in and guys that have been here for decades trying to win a championship. A guy comes in the first year with the best of equipment, <laughs> arguably one of the best tuners, and, and, you know, and make it look easy. Because he has made it look easy from a guy that went in circles. Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series Stock Eliminator World Champion is Kyle Rizzoli. In a way, Kyle Rizzoli is almost a Doug Coletta-esque figure. How many times did he knock on the door one of those things before finally getting it this year? Right, yeah, he's there, and he's got, I think he's got a chance to win the Super Sox Championship yes. as well today. You know, so that's, that's all going on out here behind us. Uh, it's great to see those guys. You, don't, you, know, you asked me who I want to win the Top Fuel Championship. I couldn't tell you. I mean, Doug, just for sentimental reasons, because I've been there for his whole journey. Yeah. You know, Leah obviously has done great, would be a great spokesperson for us. Yeah. And obviously, you know, Steve-O, five-time champion. There's not a lot of guys that have been able to do that. But uh, you see these guys that labor their whole life, and they do a lot more losing than winning in, in the sportsman yeah. categories. And to see somebody, you know, stick in there and do it and have a good championship year, um, you know, makes it all worth it for them. To me, what's interesting, especially when we talk about, as we'll kind of wrap on this, we'll talk about uh, the potential for a couple of milestones to be reached here. If, in fact, Erica gets her sixth world championship, that ties her with Warren Johnson. If, in fact, Steve Torrance gets his fifth, that ties him with Joe Amato. And to me... You know, that speaks to this second gener this next coming generation. People always ask, well, where's the next generation coming from? What happens when this guy retires? What happens when that guy retires? What happens is somebody else comes out here and kicks some ass and wins five championships. I mean, absolutely. Everybody's, everybody's been saying that since Don Gardas and Shirley Madani. Who's going to replace Big Daddy? Who's going to replace Shirley? And we've seen it, and people have come in. And, you know, when Shirley and Gardas were really kicking butt, John Force was a nobody. Yeah. You know, and here he is now. And then nobody had heard of Brittany Force, you know, 12 years ago. You know, a lot of these guys, you know, Bob Tasca was an alcohol funny car. Matt Hagen was some kid with a pro model. Right, absolutely. Driving yeah. So, so, yeah, so they, they just keep coming. And you look at the, the Rookie of the Year thing every year, there's always three or four people that are, that are in it and, and that you know that can come in and, and be a force the next year. So the pipeline is rich. I can't tell you how many times I've been asked who is going to take John Force's place as if this sport is going to be in trouble. Nobody is going to take no, John Force's place. They can try. They can still yeah. try to use his lingo and the terms that he's used that he's made popular. But nobody's going to take John Force's place. Somebody might get close, but hopefully somebody that's outspoken, that is charismatic. And the most important thing is you have to win. Absolutely. Yeah, you, you see that from, from all, you know, you think Nobody needs. We don't need somebody to replace John Force. You don't replace Babe Ruth. You know whatever. Right. So his, his numbers. I, I doubt that anybody will ever get there. Who's to say? Probably long after we're out of the sport. But you know, you got guys like Matt Hagen who comes out. He's super passionate about what he says. Robert Height, Tasca just having an amazing year. You know, for all he all the years he struggled and he came. I remember early in, in the year in, in Gainesville, they did, ran really well. He says this is a tune-up. We're building this tune-up for October and November, so that we can have it. You know, and we'll get through the summer. And you know, it sure enough panned out for him. Final question before we let you go and bring Josh Hart on the stage: Is Pomona your favorite racetrack? Absolutely, it's my home track. I've yeah. you know, been coming here since since the you know middle '70s with the Winter Nationals, and then obviously the finals since uh, since '84. So yeah, I mean I love this track. The, the history here, the conditions you can get here, 
and the fact that it's you know the last race of the year and almost always invariably you have two three championships almost every year so it's it's edge of the seat watching and you couldn't ask for a better place and maybe the smell of onions from the in and out smell of onions right from the nice. maybe <laughs> well phil burgess thank you very much for thank spending some time with us this morning good luck in your reportage thank this you. weekend all right guys thank you very much Josh Hartz could be our next guest up here on the stage, and as we have a moment of transition, I want to send a very heartfelt thank you to all of our veterans of the military service of the United States. You'll see a multitude of people wearing their Veterans Day apparel here from the NHRA. There is a fundraiser going on. Those shirts are for sale in the Nitro Mall, and you can buy those shirts in a sizable amount of the, the proceeds. Come on up, Josh. Uh, go to the Vet Ticks organization, which allows for discounted tickets for veterans. So we're going to be honoring veterans all weekend long here at these In-N-Out Burger NHRA finals, and it's just a great way of celebrating. The people who really helped build this sport, the sport of drag racing has incredible roots. Really, World War II veterans helped to build this sport from where it is, and we now transition to our second guest, Top Fuel ace pilot josh hart how you doing man not too shabby california weather is pretty nice <laughs> <laughs> it is let's talk about vegas because i look at vegas as a, a really albeit late a turning point for your season in this race car you guys had really been working hard not seeing a lot of the results you wanted to see but vegas comes along you start shooting the bulbs out of the tree and you start going rounds knocking off big names <laughs> yeah we just you know had to bring our a game and uh a lot of it fell on me you know the car has not been performing the way that we had hoped and we've tried a lot of different things and just can't seem to get there so um, when you go up against big names like that you just have to do your job you know and I was very fortunate I think we uh, we took out Col you know Coletta by like one thousandth of yes. a second so I mean that's just uh, a little bit of luck on our side Josh take us through some of the challenges you know Brian and I we noticed patterns you know, you guys had so much success t at times last year. Of course, the first race of the year, you guys flashed on Saturday, the mission uh, Too Fast, Too Tasty. But what are the challenges in terms of your expectations? You, you fully expect the car to perform. You know you have great equipment on it. You have a, a very good tuner that is accomplished, has great credentials. What are the challenges? Why is it so difficult to, to be consistent week in and week out? You know, Gainesville was a, a great glimmer of hope for our team you know we came out swinging and um, we're a very young program a lot of people forget that they I feel like they do hold me to a higher standard and that's amongst all of my competitors too so it's uh, it's tough to live up to that pressure but quite frankly we just don't have the inventory that a lot of people have so I think the last ace disc that we had um, we ran at that 69 in Gainesville so we order all new discs and wow what a learning curve you know and that's just something that we have to learn to tune around so we don't buy in the capacity as somebody like john force you know can order ten thousand discs we buy three four five hundred discs um and you know i'm probably speaking you know uh, a little bit too much shop but it, the truth truth is i yeah. mean it's just a curveball you know and then we we start to find a little bit of success uh ron's excellent the team's excellent everybody's doing their job and we have to buy more discs. So it changes again, you know, it just didn't rock well the same or it's a little bit uh, one way or the other and here we are. Do you feel as though the team now is in a better position than you were say in Topeka or races before that? Despite the frustration, has there been data gathering enough for you to say, we will end the season on a note that will allow us to step forward next year? Uh, we're sure gonna try, but um, I don't know that we learned anything on the track, to be honest with you. I think that uh, what we learned is maybe we need to create some sort of an alliance with somebody like Steve Torrance or Bob Tasca, and we need to go to a, a big company like Bonifant and buy larger quantity product 
And in that alliance, we divvy it up evenly so that um, there's no preferential treatment. I mean, you can drive yourself crazy with these conspiracy theories. <laughs> um, yeah. And I try to stay out of those rabbit holes, but bottom line is... We, we just need to increase our buying power, and we've done that. We've made a plan for next year, and I think that will contribute to our success next season. Josh, we always look at the ladder. We'll look at it again after the last session of qualifying today. And, and I'm always surprised when I hear some drivers say, oh, we don't look at our opponent. We're, we're not worrying about that. That tells me they're not doing their homework. If you're not looking at the patterns and the tendencies of the driver and the tuner, can you imagine an NFL team not doing that? So I don't buy into that. I just, I don't believe it. I have a hard time looking at, uh, thinking that they don't look at that ladder. I'm pretty sure that they do. They might just be fudging the truth. But when you size up an opponent, knowing that you really don't have the car that you have had in the past, do you have to tell yourself, I have to make up some of the difference? You have more whole shot wins than anyone, any driver this year. Is that just something you feel you have to put on your shoulders? Absolutely. I mean, if you want to be the best, you have to go out there every single time and swing for the fences. And then there's only so much a driver can control. I mean, I, I tell everybody the kings of the sport are the crew chiefs. You know, they're the ones that get to dictate how good you perform, like it or not. So yep. uh, the driver goes out there, and if you do your job, you've got a pretty decent shot. If you miss it, you're going to lose. And my only pushback is they're the kings up until those two cars stage. A lot of times it, I say <laughs> it's 50-50 and some might argue, well, it's 80% the car and 20% the driver. Not when you have a race and two cars run a 369. Guess who makes the difference? It's the driver. So I, I always try to give the drivers a little more credit than you guys give yourselves. <laughs> well, I appreciate that very much. I, I focus really hard on, uh, you know, trying to keep up with Justin Ashley, you know, and I don't know where we stand statistically. I had a couple of bloopers this year. You You're know, within so. a hundredth of them. Okay. You're second. So fair enough. Yeah. But, um, you know, had I not made those errors, we might have won Gainesville. You know, Ron, Ron had it in the bag in Gainesville, so I was the one that made the error. We talk about talent on these teams, and, and we have, a, uh, thankfully, in this sport, an expanding field. There's going to be another full-time Top Fuel team coming out. That'll be announced at PRI next year. But the talent pool is being stretched out here for experienced crew people, experienced crew chiefs. Little bird whispered in my ear that you're adding some talent for next year. We have several um, secret projects that we've been kind of working on. <laughs> uh, and we also have a pretty cool program inside of Bernie's Speed Shop, which is my company. You know, these guys want to be out there. They want to be out here hanging out with us. And so uh, if they keep their sales up, you might have heard that one of our top salesmen, um, I actually licensed him in a top alcohol dragster with Randy Meyer last weekend. So, um, you know, if they think they can bring it, I'm not going to ever hinder them. I'm going to enable them. Well, I mean, those are motivated people, right? And at the bottom, at the end of the day, that's a person that you've invested your time in. They've invested their time in you and working for your company, excelling at your company. Why wouldn't you want to incentivize them? Yeah, 100%. You know, if they're hungry there, they'll definitely do good out here. So so you are in a position where we're calling this the spoilers episode. You're our second guest. We're going to have Chad Green on. So you're one of the guys that can go out there and really muck this up for, for some of the contenders. Would that bring you just a little bit of a, a, a tinkle of joy to, to, to handle that? Well, Torrance better send me a Christmas card. But, <laughs> but um, you know, I've been the spoiler uh, in my first season, so I'm used to this role. Uh, I don't want to be there, obviously. I right. want to be at the top. But, um, you know, we'll go out there and see what happens. Roll the dice. 
So that momentum you talk about that you've had over the last couple of races, you took out, you, you beat Leah on a whole shot in the first round. When you mentioned Steve Torrance in the Christmas card, you took out his closest competition. Leah in the first round on a whole shot, Doug in the second round, and not too many drivers beat Doug Coletta on a whole shot. But when you come into this race and you look forward to next year, you hoping to keep up some of that momentum and some of the performance? Yeah, 100%. We, we need to rise to the occasion, though. I mean, we, we need to improve in all aspects, myself included. You mentioned something, and, and again, you said it was inside baseball, but it really isn't because it's it's part of the story that we struggle to tell inside a tight TV window, and that is the story of how depth the depth of this sport is one of the things that so few people realize. And as you mentioned, like the idea of okay, we need an alliance to figure out on this clutch disc inventory, and I want you to talk a little bit about that because to me, that's been one of the the interesting things of watching your process as a team owner being out here. I mean, you've learned more about the inner workings of the machine out here in drag racing than you probably ever dreamed you would, good, bad, or otherwise. Yeah, I've grown up a lot in a very <laughs> short period of time. So, you know, we had some early season success right off the rip in my first year. And um, I wouldn't say that that uh, was a custom, right? but I didn't know anything, you know? So then the first full season, you realize, you know, it's gonna fatigue your team, yourself, your finances, everything you thought you had you don't have enough of. And then now this season, our second full season, I thought I was educated and here we go again. So as far as the, the clutch program goes, you know, you gotta go up against a guy like John Force who probably has 100,000 discs, <laughs> okay? And they go, ah, you know. He's got him in a cave somewhere under a mountain. This, this isn't <laughs> yeah. working, let's go into, you know, sector seven of wherever and, and pull these other discs out, you know. We have like two racks, you know, so you gotta buy more. And once you build that program over, you know, a four or five year career, you probably have a little bit more versatility. But that's where we're at. That's the bottom line. Josh, when you talk about the parts and pieces, your business is in Florida. You've set up shop in Indianapolis. I, I see some teams out here that they they have gaps because the, the race team is here. Uh, most of the tuners, the crew chiefs are somewhere else so they're not there every day and we see the end result on the racetrack do you have good enough people in place that you can put your trust and that you feel that it's mostly parts and not that little gap in terms of logistics a hundred percent yeah we have an outstanding um you know foundation let's call it uh we kind of have a prototype take on our uh, team and it's uh it's worked for us. You know, we have a, a select few guys that are full-time at the shop. Ron is included in that. Um, so he oversees everything in the day-to-day -day operations. Dave Gatterell is our car chief. You know, he kind of goes through and makes sure everything is perfect. Um, and then we have the same fly-in guys for the season, which helps because they're all dedicated to their own positions. Um, so it's kind of a, a new way of doing things it keeps costs down but you are using the same people every weekend yeah and that doesn't mean everyone everyone you can look at the steve torrance business model and they're not there their business is in texas their shop is in indianapolis and they make it work and work very well yeah it's a it's an amazing operation the role of crew chief in this sport in a modern sense is split into two very distinct jobs it is making the actual mechanical decisions on the race car but it's also providing leadership to the very people you're talking about over a season like this where your your results have not met not only your own expectations but ron's expectations even the clutch guy's expectations what is ron's role as a leader in maintaining that team and making sure that it stays cohesive and functional 
Um, I would say that we split that responsibility. You know, uh, Ron usually shows up in a pretty good mood every morning. It's a new day. <laughs> um, but, you know, you could listen, you could be doom and gloom over every single thing that's right. going on over there. You know, it's it's a terrible situation. We all want to be at the top. You know, yeah. they say the cream rises to the top. Well, we all think we're cream, yeah. you know, but <laughs> we're not there. You know, so you just got to be positive. Um, you got to have faith in your team and know that you've got the best of everything that you can possibly put into this thing and keep charging forward. You know, they said peaks and valleys when you start drag racing. We're in a valley. Is is leading and owning a drag racing team at a top fuel level that much different than leading and owning Bernie's Speed Shop, the business you have at home? It's, does it require different management skills? Does it require the same management skills? Obviously, it's a smaller scope of employees, but high intensity. Um, I run it the same way. You know, um, you have to hire people that are smarter than you to do that position. Uh, Don Garlitz told me that. He goes, you can either spend all your money on parts and have a cheap crew chief that's going to blow them all up, <laughs> or you can try to reach deep and get a good crew chief who's not going to blow all your stuff up. So um, we think we found that balance. Josh, that was my next question, my next comment. You're in Florida. You're down the street from Don Garlitz. Who was the biggest inspiration for you? Who was your go-to guy? There's always someone that you have to, or that you should be. Ron Caps at Stomp because there's that built-in connection. There was that relationship. Who was that person for you? Is it Don? 100% Don Garlitz. You know, I, I handle a lot of his uh, new tuning stuff, and he teaches me anything that you can possibly imagine when it comes to a Hemi. So. And listen, uh, if there's a good guy to have on your side, Don Garlitz has probably the largest single collection of. Uh, iron Hemi cylinder heads in America. <laughs> You've been inside that guy's shop. It is unbelievable. True story. Well, Josh, thank you so much for coming up and spending some time with us today. Wish you all the luck here this weekend. Uh, you're one of the guys that we have pinned as somebody that can really kind of throw a, a monkey wrench into what appears to be a rather smooth sailing for some of these racers. So best of luck to you and a, you. And a happy off season with some successful testing, I hope. Appreciate you guys. Can I translate that? Don't make us look bad. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Josh Hart, driver of the RNL Thanks, Carriers, Josh. top fuel dragster. TechNet, of course, a big part of that program. Chad Green is going to be our next guest. Chad's going to roll on up here. The second of our spoilers here, Chad and the Boncoat Nitro Funny Car have had themselves a great season so far. And there he is, right on cue. The man from Midland, Texas. What's going on, Chad? Not much. Good morning. Glad uh, glad to have you up here this morning. And uh, talk to me, where's your head at right now here in Pomona? Oh, my head's in a good space right now. I mean, we've had a great season. This is the end of it. We're excited to be here. Beautiful weather. The fans are out this weekend. You can tell. I mean, it's, it's just great. We, we uh, struggled a little bit yesterday, but I'm not worried about it. Today's going to be a good day. So when you talk about the struggle, 19 funny cars and even the independents, and it's great to see that they're starting to run yeah. low 4.0s. They're knocking on the door of getting into the 390s because they have some uh, level of chemistry, and they've raced here in Southern California so many times. It was great to see Gary Denshin is his car run at 394 but you find yourself way down the ladder right now does that is that a little bit more of a sleepless night for you coming into a day like today no no not really i have all the confidence in the world of my guys uh, i don't know if y'all noticed this year but i got some bad dudes on my team so uh yeah I, I i didn't sweat it at all i know you know we'll get our act together today and we'll, we'll for sure make a run one of the things that's been really great to watch with your team this year is the fact that we saw that car become a very consistent mid-390s car, then a very consistent low-390s car, and when the weather started coming to us, you guys started running 380s time and time again. It has to be really nice to be in your position to watch this car evolve. Oh, definitely. I mean, 
I, I couldn't be more pleased and more happy with the way our car's been running. I mean, it, I think every race in the countdown so far, we've run in the 80s. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, it's been really great. I mean, I, it, it's, it's a culmination of the whole team, really. Uh, this is actually my 50th funny car race that's awesome believe it or not i can't even believe I, i've raced a 50 funny car races but uh and i've pretty much had the same core group of guys with me from the beginning started you know four years ago we ran two races four years ago that was our the beginning and and just to see this team grow and i've like i said i have so much confidence in them i've got some some bad dudes like i said and uh yeah we expect to go out there and win and compete every time Chad, when you go back in your career, you, of course, came from Pro Mod, and we've seen a lot of drivers go from Pro Mod to Top Fuel back to Pro Mod. Why the Nitro Funny Car? There is no wrong answer for this, but I, I am partial to funny cars. But why was that the choice for you? Ha, because they're just the coolest. I mean, <laughs> hands down, Nitro Funny Cars. That's why we like this guy. They're, they're the coolest. They're the baddest. And, and don't get me wrong, Pro Mod, they're, they're bad beasts too. But uh, you just can't top a Nitro Funny Car. Well, and on that note, as much as your car's performance has improved in consistency, we've watched your car control evolve. You know, we saw a guy those first two races that was that was learning in front of our very eyes. And I want I want to hear from you, your perspective from the seat. What do you feel and sense in that car now that you did not feel and sense in that car the first handful of races? Well, you know, driving a nitro funny car is I, I could just say it's probably the most total opposite thing of driving a Pro Mod. I mean, a Pro Mod, you cannot steer those things at all. Uh, Nitro Funny Car, you got to be really aggressive steering it. So I think, you know, it took me some runs to get it in my subconscious, to get it, you know, to where you could, you yeah. you're at, you could be aggressive enough in the Funny Car to control it. And, uh, yeah, I think last year we ran 18 races last year, and being able to do that many, that close together, I think that's when it all kind of came together for me as a driver. You know, during the year, I, some, at some point during the year last year, I, I began to feel very comfortable driving the car. So, yeah, now it's, you know, I felt very comfortable in the car. Chad, what is the strategy, the strategic process for you when you go back to the pits? Have you already had the discussion, the conversation about how you're going to approach the first session? We might see 80 degrees, that means the track temperature might be 120. Does, does your tuner, does he share with you what he feels he can plug in and what target he can hit with your with your first run? Oh, definitely. We, we definitely discuss that. I mean, we're, you know, Daniel, he, he he's just like me. He wants to go out there and go fast. So, uh, yeah, we definitely discuss it, but I don't really worry about too much what they do with the car. I let them do their job, and I just focus on doing mine. We talk about how a lot of teams balance themselves out, you know, personality-wise and everything else. There are times where Daniel looks like he's just chomped down on a on a 110 volt wire, <laughs> and you're the you're the picture of calm, cool, and collected at all times. So I feel like that's a good that's a good offsetting set of penalties, right? I guess so. I mean, we, 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 it seems to work good yeah. for us, you know. Uh, everybody on the team, we we really our team, we really get along good. We got a great group of guys, and it's just all come together. And I, I've been able to see their confidence grow as we, you know, win rounds throughout the season. And it's just been really awesome to, to watch. Your son Hunter collected his first uh, national event Wally and top alcohol dragster at Brainerd. Was it Brainerd or Charlotte? 
Topeka. Topeka, I'm sorry, I missed it, missed it on both accounts there. Um, as many proud moments as you've had personally in your race car, being the dad in that moment had to have been almost next level. Oh, it was. I mean, there's nothing better than seeing your kids succeed and do well. And to be able to see Hunter get that win, it, it was just awesome. Chad, what is it going to be like when you are able to get in the winner's circle in Nitro Funny Car for the first time? Well, it's going to be really awesome. We keep expecting to get there, so we're, we're, our goal is to get there this weekend. So, yeah, we want to end this season, you know, with a bang, you know, a good bang. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, for real, that's what we're trying to do. We want to go out and try and win this race and, uh, you know, get back in the top five to, to finish the season. We've really struggled the last four races. We yeah. went out first round, and, and it's been one of those things where our car has been running the best it has all season. But we've just had some unfortunate luck on Sunday when it first round, and uh, we feel like we're due. That's due to change for us this weekend. See, that is a true funny car driver right there. <laughs> when you use the word "bang," you have to be very careful <laughs> to explain what you yeah, mean. Exactly. How much does success in in the race car translate in your mind to the same type of things in your business, which is bond code? In that, you came into the season with a goal of being a top ten car. Well, now your goal is to be a top five car. Is it almost the same thing where you look at, you know, your business sales numbers one month, you go, well, if we can get here, we can probably get here next month. And do you get, a, in, a, in a good way, do you get a little greedy with the success? Do you want to, you know, basically overshoot what you had already kind of set as a goal? Definitely, definitely. I mean, as the season has evolved, my goals have changed, obviously, because of our success early on in the season. And uh, it's been great. And the same thing in my business, you know, when... It's, it's weird, you know, my business, Bonco, back at home, this has been a record year for us, so, and it's been kind of a record year for me so yeah. far in Funny Car, <laughs> so it's been a really good year all the way around in both categories, and, and which is really great because that's what allows me to come out here and do this. Chad, this, oh, sorry, go for go it. No, go, go no, you're, you're up. Okay, this is the last race of the year, and we hear some rumblings. We know that some of these teams really aren't where they would like to be at in terms of performance. So, like every other big uh, high-level sports, the NFL, there's always changes, head coaches, quarterbacks, players. Any changes in, in your program that you can speak of at this point? Is it the same, or is it going to change? Uh, we don't we don't foresee any big changes next year. I, I'm I'm hoping that everything's gonna we're gonna keep everybody together, uh, just like we have for the last four years, and and just keep evolving and getting better as a team. I'm really excited about next year, especially after this season and where our car is right now. Uh, we've got a we've got a really fast hot rod right now. So, what, what's not to be excited about? Continue the chemistry. That's right. Who is the one funny car driver out here that you really like lining up next to? There's a, obviously great competition. we got 19 cars here this weekend. But in terms of, of your evolution as a driver, who's somebody you look at in the ladder? You're like, all right. Wow, that's a really, that's a really tough question because there's so many bad dudes out here. I mean, I, I, normally my default answer would be John Force, sure. you know, because it's John Force. But I've had the chance to run him, you know, sometimes now. And, and I don't know. I I like to line up against Hagen, I think. I yeah. think, yeah, yeah. I, to be able to go and beat that dude, that's pretty cool. It's like, what do they say when you, if a bar fight starts, you go and punch the biggest guy in the room first, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that, but, <laughs> but I'll race him. So, uh, last question, Chad. You know, we're talking about you and, and both Josh Hart in this kind of spoiler role here on this Sunday, which was coming up tomorrow. How much would you kind of enjoy that? How much would you enjoy being able to leave this racetrack knowing that you had a deciding factor in the outcome of the year? Well, that would be actually pretty cool. I'm not, I haven't really thought about it in that sense, but uh, we're just trying to win a race for us, and, and I don't really worry about how it affects anyone else. But, uh, yeah, I guess that'd be kind of cool. You know what? One other question I have not asked any racer here today, 
or this weekend, when you're in the starting line or even in the in behind the water box and you see airplanes coming over the top of the racetrack, does that even make you think a little bit? Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't really pay attention yeah. when I'm in the car. I yeah. think of that. I see them all day long. Right. But, uh, yeah, when I'm in the car, I'm pretty focused on, on the job at hand and, uh, you know, just trying to, try to not mess it up. See, what airplanes was the right answer what for that? What yeah. airplanes? <laughs> Well, Chad, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. It's always great to talk to you. One thing I can say for certain, when Chad is in the winter circle on a Sunday afternoon, there will be a lot of tequila involved. That's right. That's right. It's going to be tomorrow. <laughs> thanks, thanks for having me, guys. You Appreciate bet. it. Good luck, luck this Chad. weekend. Okay. On behalf of Tony Pedragon, I'm Brian Loans. He's Chad Green. It's been another fun NHRA Insider Live from the pits here. And, Tony, put a, put a pin on it for us. Well, let's start with Top Fuel. You know, the teams that we've been talking about, they just so happen to be one, two, and three qualifiers yeah. right now. So the countdown works, the playoffs works, there's so much excitement, and you shift gears to Funny Car, one, three, and four, and we still have a couple of qualifying sessions left. So I think today's gonna be interesting. There's gonna be a little bit of temperature on the racetrack. I think it's gonna be good. I think there's gonna be a lot of shuffling position, but we're gonna still be watching those contenders. We're also gonna keep an eye on a guy like Del Warsham who yes. needs and I'm sure would like to get into this field. Once again, a sincere thank you on this Veterans Day to our veterans this weekend. NHRA's pulling out all the stops, challenge coins, the killer shirts. Kind of a fly over here later on today. We really are doing our best to honor the veterans that are part of not only the sport of drag racing, our NHRA on Fox crew has a bunch of veterans that do incredible work with us as well. So this is one of those nights. There, there are two <laughs> nights in this sport where even I don't sleep that well, and that's Sunday night going into Monday at the U.S. Nationals, and it's Saturday night going into Sunday at the Finals. I never thought there'd be anything that was better than the smell of nitromethane and burned rubber, but the onions from In-N-Out, they may challenge those two things. We're going off the stage to grab a burger. <laughs> Thanks for watching this Insider Live, and make sure you tune in 2 p.m. Sunday Eastern for, on FS1 for final qualifying coverage. 4 p.m. our race coverage begins, and our post-race show will be at 7 p.m. Eastern. All happening tomorrow, all day long on FS1. I'm Brian, he's Tony, and we're out of here.